Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, like I state on every episode, it means the world. Thank you for spinning, for sharing, wherever it is, be that Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. Just thank you so much for your content support. It is available on all your streaming platform sites. Give us a like and a follow. Hit the notification button as well, wherever you're streaming it from, so you can be notified when the new episode is uploaded. But you can also jump onto the socials. Facebook and Instagram, that is, and search Joe Blogs About Films. Give us a like and follow on there. That'd be awesome. That'd be tip-top. Finally, though, please leave us a review. Five stars, four stars, whatever it is, it means the absolute world. Now, the last few episodes on my podcast have been TV shows, so you can see that I've been in a bit of a TV binge of late. I am hoping to get to the cinema again very soon. In fact, I am going this weekend, but as you know, December, it is crazy. Anyways, back at it with another TV show to discuss, this time returning to Albuquerque for Better Call Saul. I've this week, or last week now, finally, finally finished this show after a good old, as I say, series binge, and my God, my God, this show is excellent. Excellent doesn't even really cut it. It's every positive word that you can think of, you know. The journey the show takes you on is yet again another stunner from creators Vince Gilligan and Peter Golds. Now, Breaking Bad is up there as one of the best pieces of television that I have ever seen, and probably still does stand above the rest, if I'm being honest. But Better Call Saul stands in that same list, as it is one heck of a drama that gives off those same reactions and emotions as its predecessor. I'm not on that side of saying that it's you know better than Breaking Bad or anything, but I can see why that that is thrown around. And It was a remarkable watch that only got better and better with every season. There'll be a lot of things I'm going to say in this podcast review that you'll have heard before from people saying the same things about the show, that it just continuously just excels with each season. Um, And it finished, obviously, last year with the stunning, stunning season six, which just, I'm still flawed from it, if I'm being honest. I think it was a tremendous, tremendous piece of television. And, like... It is worth mentioning that I did, this again is the same for many, many people. Like, I started watching Better Call Saul when it first dropped in 2015. I watched the first season. I owned the first season on Steelbook. And I thought it was I thought it was good, but it, it was nothing like amazing. It wasn't the same levels as Breaking Bad, you know, or what we got with that. And I just never picked it back up. I just never picked it back up. But I'm so glad I did. Um, I've got, you know, and, and I did see a few things here and there, you know, which characters from Breaking Bad, you know, which made an appearance in the, in the seasons, you know, leading up to the end of Saul. But I'm just really chuffed that I didn't get any major plot threads spoiled because they are undoubtedly worth watching blind. And that goes without saying that I will be talking about spoilers as well. So if you've not seen the show, um, you might want to go rethink that and then come back and listen to my thoughts on it. Um, if you don't mind though, hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you turn it. Or turn off the podcast, you know. But I just. I. I think Bob Odenkirk. You know, he's. We all loved him. We all loved him when he was in Breaking Bad. We loved the 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 character that he was and what he brought to the show. Something new and just refreshing for the series. Because I think it was it three that season three that he popped in. Maybe I think, but not that there's anything wrong with seasons one and two. But he definitely was like an injection of like some real charisma. Um, and, and a good old character, you know what I mean? Like a really good character that understandably you can see why he then gets a spin-off and we got to just explore more about him, who he was before we got to meet the character in Breaking Bad and also just like what happened to him post-Breaking Bad because, you know, we got the ending of Walter White in Breaking Bad, obviously. Jesse's story came to an end in El Camino, so I felt like that, you know, the ending to Saul, which again is an absolute magnificent episode, but it just felt right as well that we got some form of conclusion to his arc, you know. 
But touching on what I said a minute ago, like a lot of people, I wasn't gripped straight up with Saul, and I went in watching Saul the same as many others, which was viewing this show as a prequel as opposed to watching it for Saul or Jimmy, as he's known in the show, you know, just watching it for his character and his story. But something does switch when you're watching the show. Like, I don't know exactly when it is or when it was, sorry, for me, but suddenly you realise just what it is that you're watching and, and what the creators have put together. And that's a character study on a con man who is becoming the lawyer that we all know and love. It's not straight up like, right... Here's the lawyer guy that you know. This is everything that leads up to Walter White. Off you part. I mean, of course, there there is elements of that in there, but there is so much more to this show than just a straight-up prequel, and it is a really, really fascinating character piece. Now, Jimmy McGill is an aspiring lawyer, but as I stated, he is a con man first. First and foremost, that is what he is, and that's what we see throughout. We see so many times that side of him come out, you know, whether that be in flashbacks showing the slipping Jimmy days, or whether he is a full certified lawyer who then's bending those rules to get what he wants and to help win his cases. He's always looking for that next thrill, and that never really goes away. It's something that we see happen in the lights of Breaking Bad within bending rules or getting into grey areas within the law, but we don't really ever dive deeper into why he is that way or for how long has he been this way. Now, Better Call Saul just lays out all the flaws and characteristics of Jimmy that seriously magnifies why he is this way. From childhood to early adult life, he has been this way out, and no matter how hard he tries, even when he's trying to do better, air quote, that command side of him always makes an appearance, and it's whether Jimmy or Saul can change that. Now, I found the relationship as well with his brother Chuck, played by Michael McKean, at first, it was a little off. I wasn't too sure what I was, why I was watching this story develop, but as, as you know with any series, you've got to let the characters grow, the story grow, you know? And that's, again, one of the things that... That's why I wasn't too fussed about season one, you know? It escalates and escalates, obviously, to such a, a brilliant boiling point between the two of them that you pretty much... You do empathise with both parties. Chuck is essentially the complete opposite of Jimmy, you know? He sees the law is sacred. There's also feelings of resentment and disappointment towards his younger brother due to Jimmy's lifestyle and life choices. And also the fact that Jimmy now wants to become a lawyer. It's like a scratch that Chuck just can't itch, you know? And it's something that he can't fathom, clearly doesn't believe that Jimmy is capable of achieving greatness. And so puts these blocks up between he and Jimmy, and especially when it comes to the lawyer work, to the point in the series where he even takes like takes charge of this Sandpiper case, I think it is, that is quite prominent in the early seasons, taking that off Jimmy. There's a lot to dislike of the character when you start the show, but like everyone in this series, your opinions drastically change on them. You say you empathise, you understand, you learn, you, you realise, like I say, they... They, it's not like I'm saying that they start off 2D and then they end in 3D. I mean, you could you could you know strip it down to that, but it does feel like a, you are literally just watching the growth of different characters, and it's like how you then kind of connect or resonate with that. Because this 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 is again is one of the reasons why we loved why I loved anyways, and many did love Breaking Bad so much is because it was it did that so well. It this this capability of making you feel so many different things towards its cast in different circumstances and different seasons. And I really love that. And this is the same as well for the character Howard that's in the show. Now, Howard, who's played brilliantly by Patrick Fabian, he's actually, it's funny because every time I see Patrick Fabian in anything, I always think, because I think one of the first things I saw him in, um, other than Friends, he has a cameo in Friends. He's one of the male nurse doctors when Phoebe's giving birth. 
Um, he's also in The Last Exorcism, which is a great film. I think it's a little bit underappreciated, if I'm being honest, The Last Exorcism. I think it was produced or directed by Eli Roth, but either way, really great lead character he has in that. Anyways, I'm waffling. Patrick Fabian does a tremendous job playing Howard. He's Chuck's law partner at Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill, and pretty much is Jimmy's arch nemesis throughout the entirety of this show, even when Howard has no desire to be. When you first meet him, he's got such an ego and just looks down on Jimmy, always making sure that Jimmy's pushed further and further away from the company, as well as making sure that he is not taken seriously as a lawyer. We get some excellent moments between the two, and I in particular like the change in Howard of him, you know, wanting to just be a better person and almost repenting and making amends for the person that he used to be, only for then Jimmy to torment him, like and ruin this guy's life and reputation with a, a set of serious pranks that, again, like I say, they're only out there to ruin that reputation and character as a whole. It's, it's, like, it's like you're watching all this unfold and you're just thinking, Jesus, this is so cruel. And, and that's that warped view again where we've been following our lead, Jimmy or Saul or whatever, you know, we're rooting for him all the while. This innocent person who, yeah, has been a dick in the past, don't get me wrong. He's been dragged through the dirt and having everything ruined for him, which then comes to an explosive, explosive ending for Howard, as I honestly didn't see any of that coming, you know. His last scene caused a reaction out of me that I haven't made since probably watching Ozymandias of Breaking Bad. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant television. And I know I've just spoken about this like warped view and how you react to characters' motive depending on whether you're rooting for them or not. With Jimmy, though, there are plenty of these moments where, you, yes, you are rooting for him, but then you take a step back and you're like, this is pretty evil. Obviously, the Howard saga is, is well in that mix, but... I really couldn't believe what he was doing again with that sandpiper case and the elderly lady within the nursing home who was like the representative for all her friends in the nursing home and just how Jimmy was able to turn all of her friends against her by planting seeds about, you know, she's delaying on purpose and treating herself to this and that and, you know, pushing and pushing the settlement off, alienating this poor lady from all of her friends and causing such distress for her who's done absolutely nothing wrong. But fortunately, Jimmy does have a conscience, and so even when things may be getting out of hand and things have gone too far, he will always do the right thing and set things right. And, and again, this comes right back around at the end as well, when he manages to pull the con man out one last time after finally being caught and charged for his part in the Walter White saga. He swindles his sentence down to seven years, which really, of course, should be a far, far harsher sentence, just as like a... A last show of Saul, you know, play the eccentric and loud lawyer for one last time, only then to confess and own up to what he has done his entire life, leading then to an 86-year sentence. He finally reached a point for Saul where he needed to strip out and cut off the con man and begin again as Jimmy. And I thought how all that transpired in the show's last couple of episodes were really, really fantastic. It was it was the perfect end for him. You know, no one needed to be killed off, like Saul didn't need to be killed off, nor did Kim, you know, but just seeing Jimmy in prison and having a better life, so to speak, than who he was outside, I thought it just closed off his story excellently. Like, the entire journey for Saul is so compelling to watch. It got to a point watching the show where... In those last couple of seasons, I was struggling to stop. If I didn't have to work or sleep or eat, I think I would have done those last those last seasons, those last two seasons in probably a day or two, easily, easily. Now, in the show as well, there are some absolutely outstanding supporting cast members. Kim Wexler, for one, is absolutely amazing, played by Rhea Sawhern, and again, outstanding as this character. Just like Jimmy, she is flawed, but she is a brilliant lawyer. She's almost consumed by Jimmy's influence at times, and by the end 
gets in way over her head with the likes of the Salamancas and Gus, this and that. You know, she, of course, is that love interest and a big figure in Jimmy's life. And I thought the writers did a superb job of not making this relationship cheesy of any kind. And like a lot of the conversations and situations that she and Jimmy find themselves in, they, they felt really real. Like you, you, you feel like you were fly on the wall watching real people have real conversations. Kim's very interesting to watch because she could go in any which way I found. What starts off as a striving to be a great lawyer, she too starts to see flaws in other people's characteristics and decides things should, you know, sway a certain a certain way, causing a conflict of interest in many of her cases. And Kim always wants what's best for Jimmy. That's 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 we see that time and time again, even when he's deviating back down his con man way she still tries to see and make him see sensory as best as she possibly can however this leaves her quite vulnerable for falling into jimmy's web so to speak and before you know it she too is having so much fun with jimmy you know it's leaving herself then to pick up the mess that she's got herself into you know with the likes of what happened with howard something that no one ever should ever see you know that's down to them just taking things way too far like i think that kim's the one person that i like the most all the way through like when comparing to jimmy and, and howard etc you go around the house with feelings about them but with kim though is a flawed character like everyone is she is a good person and not many of the characters are necessarily good in this world i just thought overall that kim was a tremendous character there was so many so many things that again i could really dive into about about kim and their journey the characters journeys this and that but i'm trying to keep it kind of breezy because if i'd be here all day wouldn't i let's be honest but really really compelling characters to watch and i love let's say the the relationship and dynamic that she and jimmy did have but with any spin-offs you know we get other character tie-ins i won't spend too much time he says on these characters but having mike and gus involved was a really bold move obviously there's the other henchmen as well they're about you know box cutter guy this and that they're all there as well um but still like it's really great seeing mike and gus prominently feature i can't credit the team enough with how everything fits perfectly as its own narrative and story but also like filling in the blanks and development and developing already well-established characters like even further like gus has always been a presence on screen we loved him in breaking we loved every character let's be honest we loved every character in breaking bad it's just it's gonna be ridiculous even trying to say oh we love them more than we loved everyone like we did really dig gus in breaking bad but we only saw the businessman side of him giancarlo esposito got to flex so much more in better call Saul and allow that pure evilness within come out and he has an absolute blast with it like the cartel have always been a story when in you know in breaking bad and we know there's clear animosity between gus and the cartel but to see to see the what's and the why's you know like nothing nothing prepares you for any of that you know what i mean and and with anything set in the past it means that you know that characters are that some are going to survive and others aren't you know and and again you can say that might take the edge off things at times but i don't really ever think that we got in a position where you were necessarily sat there arms folded like well this doesn't matter who's going to survive this like they still amp up the suspense amp up the tension and gus has many many of those moments in the show i also really liked as well that we got to see like the lab being built underneath obviously the laundrette this and that um and all of that like subplot about the you know the german uh, the german chap that, that obviously helped build it and and kind of like showing that change for mike as well in fairness because you know he was a essentially was he was an innocent person that was gunned down so that mike had to put down due to this this guy's actions of trying to escape this and that and i think that was like the switch for mike as well like because you see in, in in breaking bad where he was ready to gun down you know walter white at the push of a button kind of thing so to speak like if he was told to do it he does it and i think that 
he necessarily might not have done that. I mean, we do see that Mike still... Ha- I'll come to Mike, obviously, in a second. We do see that Mike still has, like, a heart and he's not soulless. Like, he will kind of stick up for someone if they need to. But I think that him killing that German guy was a real shift. Now, in addition to Gus, I absolutely loved the inclusion of Lalo Salamanca. Like, this charming, charismatic psychopath whom you don't know is smiling because he's found something amusing or smiling because he's about to kill you. Probably both, to be fair. But Tony Dalton absolutely crushed it as this character. Like, I found him so engaging, so enjoyable to watch on screen. Even when he's being a serious threat to the protagonist of the show, I think he was just incredible, an incredible addition to the cast. I loved how Saul ended up getting mixed up with, with Lalo and the cartel. There's a nice nod as well to Lalo in Saul's introduction in Breaking Bad, which obviously now we're given context we get why Saul was genuinely terrified and then relieved that Lalo had nothing to do with this, you know, because my goodness, Lalo can just pop up out of nowhere. Like, you wouldn't be surprised, you know what I mean? He literally can come back from the dead, whatever, you know. It was such an interesting dynamic having Lalo pretty much mirroring Gus in being that huge powerhouse within the Breaking Bad world. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed seeing Lalo, like, work things out or go head-to-head with Gus. That's when the, the show was at its probably peak for suspense. You know, really, really dark at times. All just made for a brilliant watch. And the series certainly reached, like I say, some extremely good heights once Lalo arrives in the show. And in addition, obviously, to Lalo, we get the we get the character Nacho. He's like this middleman or rat or whatever, but he is, again, I loved everything about Nacho. I think he was a brilliant new character to bring in. Michael Mando became one of my favourites to watch, like, really did very early on. And it only gets better with him and his character on the series, like I say, when it reaches, like, five or six or whatever. Incredible, wonderful performance from, say, Michael Mando. He literally sums up the phrase, he fell in with the wrong crowd, because, bless him, he just wanted to keep his dad safe. And again, so many highlights surrounding this character. That final phone call that he has with his father, that packed a wallop of emotion. It's interesting as well, because we touched upon Mike. Like I was kind of touching upon this about him not being fully converted to being just a bad guy, but that relationship that he and Mike had, it was almost like Mike saw him as a surrogate son, like, I might be taking a bit of a leap there, but there's there's certain care for Nacho from Mike as, you know, Nacho held his end of the deal through and through, regardless of the, 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 the shit that he went through with it. You know, whatever, he, whatever Gus wanted him to do, he did it. And Mike was always wanting to honour that, you know, to the point where, you know, like, he did his bit and Gus is like, nah, not going to let him leave. Better to keep all of him. Mike's having none of it. You know, it's like Mike wanted Nacho to have that happy ending that Mike's son never had. Nacho could go off with his dad and be free from it all, which all sounds too good to be true. And usually in this kind of world and setting, it is, sadly. But the way Nacho played it with the Salamancos, I managed to fool everyone of his motives. You know, it was super enjoyable to watch, obviously. The way that he wanted to, to get rid of Hector as well, and obviously seeing Hector's origin of why he then or how he became stuck in that chair was unbelievable TV as I say and you just knew you just knew with Nacho that it wasn't going to be a happy ending for him but what a heroic and badass way for him to go you know like his episode in season 6 that that it's episode 3 or something it's up there as one of my all time favourites in Breaking Bad like really really excellent like it's so so bloody good now before I do sign off with everything Saul I, I have to give props to the team who made the show look fantastic. Obviously, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold get high praises, and, and rightly so. But man alive, some of the cinematography in the show is stupendous. Again, I'm saying 
again, I'm saying what everyone said a thousand times over, but the look of the show and the imagery that it presented is nothing short of remarkable, especially when it comes to that last season. Props to cinematographers Arthur Albert, Marshall Adams and Paul Denoshi because they put together some fine, fine and very memorable sequences and shots within this TV series. All the way through the show's run, we have that dual narrative split between the past, which is in colour, and then the present for Jimmy and Saul in black and white. Now, the colour from Jimmy's life there has literally just been stripped away, and he's never going to get that back. The only time he does get colour is when he sees one of his old commercials on YouTube, and again, stunning bit of cinematography there. To have that small, to have those small squares in the reflection of the laptop bouncing from his glasses, Sheer perfection, absolutely sheer perfection. In addition, I really found that last sequence of Jimmy and Kim having that cigarette together extremely powerful, but it was made even more so by having the colour of the cigarette burning, standing out within this black and white scene, signifying that the flame still burns between them. Just stuff like this. <laughs> it's, really, it's just the details, you know. They did it in Breaking Bad, obviously. There's so much detail in that. But again, they've just continued and rolled that over into, you know, your El Camino into Better Call Saul. But it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable stunning. It's 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 levels like this and the details that really do just blow my mind. You know, that final wide shot as well of seeing Jimmy on one side of a fence and then Kim on the other with her steps to freedom and this huge space between them. It was uh, just extremely powerful beyond, you know. Jimmy can finally be himself now or at least, you know, rebuild and start again. It's heartbreaking, but such a strong message there and I really, really loved it. I could waffle on endlessly and keep you lovely listeners for a lot longer. However... I really should really wrap this up because I don't want to boil it to tears and there's only so much goodness to me talking about Better Call Saul. There's plenty of other better people on YouTube that have done a probably better job, but this show was certainly one of the best things I've ever seen. Like I said at the start, I can see why there are people who have said this surpasses Breaking Bad. I personally think it's just behind it, but accompanies it very well. Um, I think more so for me on a personal level, I am glad that I just persevered with it you know, and gave this show the time of day that it deserved because it's an absolute stunner. And now I'm going to be that annoying friend to everyone that's like, I think you should give it another crack. Like, because honestly, the amount of like, you know, my peers and such, they're just, people started it then never finished it. I really, really think that the, 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 the longer you go with this show, that the further into it that you dive, the just the more rewarding it is for you as a viewer because you're so compelled by some of the things, some of the some of the things you're seeing, like obviously just the journey for Saul. And as I stated at the start, you know, Bob Odenkirk absolutely nailed this. I don't think he won an Emmy for any of it. Did he win an Emmy? I, I should have really Googled that, shouldn't I, before? But I know that I don't think he won one for Breaking Bads. Um, he'd been not, he was nominated, obviously, but he just crushed it. And it's always daunting, isn't it, when you have to step back into those shoes of, of you know, being the character that you were admired and adored for to get your own series solely focusing on that but what a job everyone did what an immaculate job everyone did stunning stunning thank you ever so much again for listening i will be returning to albuquerque very soon to go over some breaking bad action i think my good friend nat's going to be joining me on that one as well so that needs to be done that will be happening so hold on to your hats with that one eh but let me know your thoughts on Better Call Saul. If you've watched it, if you didn't watch it, or, or at least if you started and fell away, went back, whatever, you know what I mean? Basically, if you've seen it all, let me know your thoughts. <laughs> that would be really, really appreciated. I hope everyone digs it, or dug it, I should say, as much as I did, because I... Uh, I'm frustrated at myself that I, I didn't watch this when it was airing because I could have easily done. I easily could have done, but um, yeah, chose not to. What a dick. Thank you again, listeners. Until the next episode, take care. <laughs>